Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. The problem is, it's actually really hard to love your neighbor and to love God. The hatred and violence in the world and disdain in our individual lives crowd in around us, into our consciousness, into our news feeds, into our relationships. The contrast between the almost trite love your neighbor and the reality of our collective daily lives is jarring. The commands to love God and one's neighbor can feel staunch and distant and too legislative, as though it came from a king who would issue punishment if you didn't show your love. Or these commands can sound like a distant, flimsy fantasy. A fairy tale command that sounds nice but is obviously impossible. Our annoyances or hurts feel so much more immediate or more real than a God who tells us to love. The difficulty of loving each other or of loving God might make us trust God less or feel distant from God. What kind of a God would demand such a thing? A thing that feels impossible or that, because of its origin in the heart, shouldn't be a commandment at all. Actually, loving the people that are hard to love can feel like putting to test this question that we don't want to ask. Is God trustworthy? If we were to truly commit ourselves to loving our neighbors, 
we might find something out about God that we are afraid to know? What if God is asking something of us that is too hard for us? Jesus reminds the Pharisees of this commandment in the midst of a contentious interaction, one, is, one that is even hostile on the part of the Pharisees. So let's locate this interaction that we read today in the midst of the bigger story in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has spent several years preaching and healing and causing those in power to feel more and more threatened and enraged. He's had to stay out of the city of Jerusalem where the religious and political leaders can more easily access him and see what he's up to. But now he has made his way to Jerusalem, aware that he will likely be executed there. He has just entered the city with crowds waving palms and cheering for him and saying Hosanna to the son of David and calling him a prophet. And he has gone directly to the temple, the heart of Jewish worship, and the center of religious power. This happened today, the day of this gospel reading. There he overturns the money changers' tables. You guys remember this story, accusing people of using the sacred space to manipulate others for money. He then tells the parables we've heard in the past few weeks in church, the one about the owner of the vineyard whose son is killed, the one about the party where the poorly dressed man is thrown out, the one about giving to Caesar whatever is Caesar's and to God whatever is God's. This is the same conversation. This discussion we heard in the gospel today takes place that same day, right after Jesus turns over the tables in the midst of those other stories and debates with the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. So in this moment, the heat is on. Jesus is going to his death. The Pharisees are, of course, trying to trap Jesus, and they're trying to trap him with a pretty boring question. What is the most important commandment? And as Jesus has been doing and continues to do, he decides instead to answer a more interesting and more important question. The Pharisees are trying to frame Jesus into saying something negative about the law, the Torah, which Jesus loves. They are trying to trap him in judicial practicalities. But Jesus takes a two-dimensional, ill-intended, legalistic question and turns it into a theological one. He gives a response which shows not only what Jesus says, but what he is. The Jewish people saw the law as a whole, an integrated system of promise a way of living a life together with God. The Pharisees in this moment are trying to get Jesus to say one part of the law is more important than the other parts, which would show disrespect to its integrity. That's the trap. They are trying to prove an answer about what will God get you for? But Jesus, Jesus' answer is to the question, who is God? He answers not just with his words, but with his heart, his being, and his mind. The heart, being, and mind of the eternal God standing before them and loving his interrogators. 
in answer to a question that is intended to trap and frame Jesus. He reminds the Pharisees of the commandment of the God they all worship. Love God. Love each other. They've been arguing with Jesus for perhaps hours now, or their friends have. They've been repeatedly confused and frustrated. They see his anger and his sadness. But they must have seen the manifestation of the law in Jesus' own love. Love for them, even. Love for Yahweh, the God of Israel. Jesus said these two commandments to the Pharisees. He knew some around him would contribute to his being turned into the Roman authorities to be executed. He may have known it would happen in a matter of days. But even as he said these commandments, he loved them. And they knew it. And it freaked them out. (laughs) From that day forward, no one dared to ask him anything. No one dared to try to trap a man they hated who so obviously responded by loving them, even in his anger and sadness. Here's what was at stake for the Pharisees. What if they actually followed the law that they clung so tightly to and loved Jesus? They would have to see God differently than they did before. The gospel is not willing to accept our assumption that we can love our neighbors without being willing to change. Without being willing to be changed by God. So here's the thing. God is not asking anything other than what God is already doing in Christ Jesus. That is why God is trustworthy. What's hard to believe is Jesus is already loving the Pharisees as he is saying this to them. We have in Christ a reality which is acutely truthful about the pain and difficulty of loving others. And a reality which extends love to us long before commanding it from us. God's love in Christ is a landscape surrounding all of us to which we are simply being asked to open our eyes and join. God is already loving us and our neighbors, even those who irritate or deeply hurt us. And here's the danger and the promise in that. If we become truly aware of the love that God surrounds each of us with, we might have to change our minds about our neighbors. When we encounter God's love for us, we encounter God's love for others, which God then invites us into. And this love is not a nominal cover over for criticism, like, I say this in love, but you're really a jerk, or your hair looks terrible, or I love you, and that's why I'm telling you you're going to hell. That's not love. And love is not simply a warm feeling of affection. Loving your neighbor means allowing God's delight in them to enter you. It means letting God's love for them work on you so that you want for them the same dignity that you want for yourself and so that you are willing to work for their 
dignity, and well-being. Loving your neighbors means allowing God's love for them to change you and allowing God's love for you to change you so that you can enact that love to others. What if when we love our neighbors, we encounter God in a way we hadn't before? What if God can be known as trustworthy because of the way that God loves us and our neighbors for us, inviting us into a love in which our heart, being, and mind are enveloped? What if love is less like a transaction or a rule and more like a sea which surrounds us and lifts us and invites us to see the others already there? What if the Pharisees had been able to accept Jesus's love for them. To know that Jesus's love comes from the heart of the Trinity and out to all of creation. God has already accomplished in Jesus Christ what God has commanded of us. The love that flows within God flows out of God. Our command then is to participate in the love that is our source. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.